0: Welcome to the Wander Learn Podcast. I'm your host, Franz Tapon. This is a short introduction to this episode, which is part of a seven-part series with a Mozambican who is named Julio Maria Mujoro. He is a power coach, facilitator, and speaker from Mozambique. Make sure you listen to the other episodes if you've missed them. And this episode, by the way, is brought to you by my patrons at patreon.com slash Go there and get some rewards. Thanks. I would make this saying and let me say it to you and see how you react. I would say Americans live in the future. They're always just like Mm. planning ahead and thinking about the future. Europeans live in the past, always thinking (laughs) about their history and Africans live in the present. That's true. So, Okay. (laughs)
1: <laughs> i would say that that's true but it, it's very much as again it's like it's going to be all right you know right now you have food in your belly you are not that cold like chill you know you can sort it out tomorrow which is great in a certain extent but i feel that actually the right balance is being able to live in the present while still catering for the future and honoring on your past that's why i think what it, all we are striving um, to do here in this world
0: right it reminds me of and I don't know why, and for those who are still pondering what I said about the, the three different cultures there, there's a U.S. president, I think it was Truman, who had a sign on his desk on the in the Oval Office, and it just said, history is bunk. Actually, I don't know if that was Truman. Now I'm thinking about it, it could have been Henry Ford who actually said that. Um, the only thing that matters is the history that we make today. You know, history is bunk. Bunk is bullshit, right? So. <laughs> So and that and that kind of is the American spirit. Who cares about the history? I don't care mm-hmm. where you came from, where you immigrated from, or who your parents were, how much money you used to have. <laughs> what can you do for me today and in the future? What can we build to, for the for the next day? And uh, and 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 uh, Europeans they're so obsessed about their of the historical. <sighs> Uh, you know, like all their great history and you know, that they've, they, and they talk about Americans don't have any history. And, um, <laughs> and of course Africans don't have any history either, even though we all came from Africa. <laughs> so this is like, and then, but it is fascinating. What about, let's go on to South Africa. Now mm-hmm. South Africa has built a wonderful reputation of being xenophobic. And <sighs> <laughs> is that true? Because, you have Mozambicans, Zimbabweans, Nigerians, to some extent, Namibians, and of course Nigerians, who have immigrated, but people all over Africa have yeah. gone to South Africa because it is uh, the, one of the strongest economies in, in Africa to go there for economic opportunity for the same reason that you have many Latin Americans who try to get into the United States or Canada. Yeah. And they're chasing economic opportunity. And And why North Africans are taking boats across the Mediterranean Sea to go into Europe, people you know human beings chase economic opportunity. and here you are. you are a Mozambican, yeah. who crossed over the border probably illegally in the middle of the night. I'm sure) no, I'm just <laughs> I wish no. Now it was
1: like all a straight
0: process, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding you. I know. <laughs> So, so tell me about. But how were you, how are you received? Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine it's a big difference between somebody who's very educated and well spoken like yourself, yeah, versus a Mozambican who does sneak in across the border in the middle of the night <laughs> and who's just trying to sell and who's trying you know, to sell peanuts in the in the streets of Johannesburg, right?
1: Um, I try to be very considerate when I'm saying those things. I not like to be politically correct, but because, I mean, if you are seeing the video, I'm mixed. Uh, people usually look at me and they don't figure it out where I'm from, especially if I don't open my mouth. And even when I do, I have people in Mozambique that cannot, they, for them, I'm Brazilian or Angolan or something else. So usually it's very easy for me to blend in. If I were to go to North America and say, like, bro, I'm from New York, from the Brooklands, what are we going to say, you know? Um, So I feel that every time people interact with me, there is this uh, added layer that I might be local or not. And actually happens here all the time. I go to and ask for information and people start speaking Zulu immediately. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not South Africa. And they look at me like, huh, you're one of those. They don't want to honor their local language. I'm like, no, no, I really, (laughs) I'm not South African. I I, I promise you I'm not. I can show you my passport. Um, So I guess with me particularly, it's quite different. And I'm quite privileged for being mixed um, and sort of like, I can literally say for any country that, oh, my mom is here and my dad was black and people will buy it, you know. Right. Um, but with that said, I found that here in South Africa, most of the attacks were around the oppor- having not that much opportunities looking from the inside out. And then a lot of those opportunities being um, taken by foreigners, even though those foreigners were actually qualified. So there was this sense of sort of internal unhappiness with how the economy was for them as South Africans and then the internal fight within the different um, races in South Africa so the colors the whites and the blacks and they're sort of like bleeding into other um, into other nationalities so it's a it's quite of a intriguing topic that I feel that's not like there's no easy answer and if you look in specific case of south africa they come from a very very a hard story around the apartheid, where you know black people were evil uh, but also the stuff that was done to them. so it's like a, it's there's a whole lot of healing to be done i'll put it that way does it make sense to you
0: oh it makes complete sense to me and that is why i really uh, you know south africa to me is such a troubled country because those wounds are so fucking deep and they and went for really so long gonna, yes and it's going to take I a know. long long it's going to take many decades for them to heal if ever and you know i hope obviously at some point they will but i just think it's it's one of the most difficult things and so what you're suggesting maybe let me julio let me see if i'm hearing you right okay are you saying that because of the colonization that happened, and the apartheid it made people excessively tribal because it put people into categories of colored black, white, uh in some cases Indian right, and so and they became very protective and tribal of their whatever tribe that they happened to be thrown into and then once they became liberated in nineteen ninety four when Mandela took over. Then those things stayed behind. And so, even though, and so then they took that tribalism and imposed it as well as to people from outside the country, from the Nigerians who are coming, from the Mozambicans who are coming, from the Zambians who are coming. And so that tribalness said, okay, we're going to look at those others. And so, very, very tribal. Is that fair or am I off the bar? I
1: I think you hit the nail when you said that uh, after Nelson Mandela took charge. It wasn't like automatic, and then of the sudden, all South Africans are equal. And I don't want to speak on behalf of any South African, but from my perspective in Lufthansa, it's not like it wasn't automatic, you know. And a lot of even the systems today, when there is, um, I think they call it here the BEE or the Black Participation Enterprises that you have to have in South Africa, there's black a lot of economic
0: to, empowerment.
1: Exactly, thank you. Black,
0: so there's a lot economic. to
1: be sort of like said and done around how how the country evolved from that culture, you know, because sorry. It's our,
0: let me just interrupt. So BEE, which is Black Economic Empowerment, for those uh, U.S. citizens who are listening to, it's similar to affirmative action in the United States where there's preferential treatment based on your racial background, effectively. Uh, so the government gives either loans or assistance of some sort for black-owned uh, businesses and and tries to help prop up and give certain advantages to black and then also to hire black employees uh, to give preference to them to try to right the historic wrongs where whites had advantages for well over 100 years 200 years of advantages and so they're trying to uh fix that with this black economic empowerment
1: exactly thank you very much for that uh francis and i feel even that like how that works and you're know, making sure that you're not only just you're not being hired because of your skin color but being hired because you also have the skills but also how do you ensure that uh send uh, you know a certain um people that didn't have access for so long for just basic education how will they be able to meet those criteria so i really think it's more of Complex than we assume and than we think, and they sort of really bleeds in into many other things. But if there is one thing that I believe the South Africans did very right, it goes around customer service because of that differentiation. Uh, I mean, I I've actually I've worked with one of my clients that they were training um, waiters and hotel staff to a five-star hotel in Italy and five-star hotel in other parts of the world because. Because of so much separation that happens here in South Africa, you really need to be able to cater for um, a white woman who wants, you know, stuff delivered on time. But you also want to cater to a black man who wants to be treated fairly. And you also want to cater for a colored man who doesn't want labels necessarily, but also doesn't want, uh, you know, to be in prison and want to have the freedom. Uh, so I think most of the time we tend to focus on how bad that thing is and how bad South Africa still is. And we forget all the amazing things that they were able to build, even within that context. And yes, of course, sometimes things do bleed, um, you know, from uh, a race conversation into a nationality conversation, unfortunately, but there's still so many great things to be acknowledged about the South African nation. Does that make sense to you?
0: Yes, it does. And thank you for pointing out, because I confess that I tend to be too negative on South (laughs) Africa on average. No, it's true. It's just... I, I had such a great time traveling all over. So I started in Morocco and huh. went through West Africa and then went down to the west side of Africa all the way down to South Africa. And I was having a wonderful time the whole way through. And then I get to South Africa. I was like, huh? In some ways, I loved it because, of course, it's so rich and developed and has wonderful infrastructure, et cetera. On the other hand, just the vibe I got was not... African. (laughs) It was not an African vibe, which, in general, I say that in a very positive way. African vibe is so much more. It's welcoming. It's warm. It's loving. It's friendly. It's relaxed. It's stuff like that. In in South Africa, I just felt this kind of tension, and and I felt it with the blacks, with the whites, with the colored, with everybody. It's just like I'm saying this. This is a huge generalization. It's true. But and that ends this episode of the learn podcast, where we explore travel, technology, and transformation. If you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about, go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode. If you'd like to connect with me, just remember F. That's my first initial and my last name. FTapon is always my social media username. My website is ftapon.com. Do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question? Then go to speakpipe.com slash Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the WanderLearn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.